tell you, we had a great time this weekend, as many of you, um, and July is hot. Um, I've mentioned before that what we've often done on the 4th of July with my family um, growing up and even um, the first few years of our marriage, we'd go to Marlowe to the thing there, and I don't know why. It's just so hot <laughs> and miserable, and I, I, I mention this all in fun. You're there listening to a band that's not really that good outside <laughs> in the heat, and you know you you do watch the fireworks and that's but it's and it, it's much better I've found to spend time in a pool on the Fourth of July weekend, spend some time you know just in the pool feels a lot better doing that. Um, did some fishing, and uh, Fred caught uh, Fred's not here today is he? But Fred caught his first fish ever. This is correct, right? How, how old is your dad? 52, his first fish ever, so it's quite the experience. And, uh, and we got to shoot off some fireworks. Um, fireworks are much more interesting when you're shooting them off yourself as a family. Found out this weekend, I think my, my favorite thing in shooting off the fireworks is when you have the one that shoots off multiple fireworks and then it falls over. That's, my, that's by far the most exciting time. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun. And one thing I noticed in driving uh, home from my in-laws um, where we were last night, seeing the fireworks you know, being shot all over the place, evidently in town, you can do that now. Not really, but it's quite a bit. <laughs> um, just the moon, did you see the moon last night? Now, there's a member, he's not here today, but there's a member that always texts me like, do you see the moon? Like, I guess when it's a full moon. And quite honestly, every time I saw that, I text, I thought, I always think, you know, it's the moon. It's always there. But last night I was driving home. I was like, man, the moon. I mean, it is incredible. And if you didn't see it, I know you probably are hearing me just like I see the text from my friend. (laughs) But it's crazy, especially in light of, you know, the fireworks that we think are spectacular. But then in contrast to that big old kind of red moon that's up there, it's kind of like what we do down here and then what God does up there, quite the contrast. It reminded me of just a few years ago, probably about five or six years ago now, when we lived in Irving, we were up here um, celebrating 4th of July weekend, shot off fireworks as, as usual, and then we drove back that night to Irving. So it was the 4th of July weekend, and on our way back, we, I mean, fireworks the whole way. And so it was, it was, it was, it was night, so it's dark. That's what happens at nights. <laughs> And so as we're driving back, and we just see fireworks everywhere. And so it's such, um, it was such a neat ride to be driving that long from, the Dow- you know, from Duncan to the Dallas area just to see fireworks. But there was something else going on that, that night that really eclipsed everything. There were lightning storms everywhere. And so it was kind of the, it's what you experience when there's, um, kind of, it's kind of those silent thunderstorms. It wasn't really wasn't really anything bad, but just all around us was the, these lightning storms, these huge, beautiful thunderhead clouds that when the lightning would strike, and it, it wasn't the lightning that, uh, that just goes to the earth, but it's like the horizontal, you know, goes, it works its way through the clouds and just lit up the sky. And again, the contrast between these um, silly little fireworks that are going up, <laughs> well, what we, what we can do, and then God's beautiful creation. I mean, it was just amazing. And it's caused me to think, you know, during this time, especially 4th of July weekend, and it is, it is good for us to celebrate our independence, our freedom, even if it is 
an earthly freedom, right? Even if it is just a temporary freedom. And it is, it is good for us, right? It is right for us to honor those who have served and who do serve to ensure that freedom, even though we know we are not a perfect nation, right? Even though we know there is progress to be made, we join together. We eat together as family. We shoot off fireworks. We swim. We fish. We just enjoy the time that we get to come together as Americans, and we even have the ability in our country to talk about human rights and what it means to be free. I want to remind you of something this morning, though. The glory of our freedom as Americans is far eclipsed by the freedom that you and I have in Christ today. Our freedom that we have in Christ today is not an earthly freedom, is it? It's a heavenly freedom. The freedom that you and I have in Christ today is not a temporary freedom. It is an eternal freedom. A freedom that has nothing to do with our independence. You know that, right? The freedom that we have in Christ has everything to do with our actual union with Christ and our union with each other. You and I are brought into fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords simultaneously brought into union and fellowship with citizens of his kingdom. It is right today to worship the one who gave his life to overcome sin and the grave. It is right for us to honor the one that gives us reason today to celebrate this union and the freedom that we have from our sin, the power of sin, and death. Today we freely join together. We do things like and hang out as citizens of the kingdom. There was a time where we used to come together to eat uh, before Corona. Hopefully there will be time as a church that we can come together and do that again. We engage together in prayer and in worship again, in Bible study and preaching and teaching again, celebrating what we have in Christ, the freedom from the power of sin, the hope that we have now that goes, as we've sung today, beyond the grave. We understand that we're dealing with real problems today in our country and in our family. This is something that regardless of the Sunday that we're in, we can always get up here and say, guess what? Problems. <laughs> we're dealing with a real pandemic. Hopefully people are aware of that now, a pandemic that is real. And I, I would just like to remind you, like, you, you could, I, you know me, but you know me. You know that I like to say things that get me in trouble and that make you feel awkward. But I just want you to know, because of this pandemic, you really could die. You know that, right? And you could die for a number of reasons. But I just want to remind you, and not to fear, not to have you, just to remember that we're human and the world we live in, like you could die from the pandemic. You, you could lose someone that you love from this pandemic. Or if we're just careless, like we, we know that transfers into other things. Like if I just get in my car and decide I'm just going to drive carelessly away from here. We know even this pandemic, if we're careless about things, we could contribute to the death of someone else. It's, it's, a, it's the world in which we live. Not only that, but we know, and we've talked about it in weeks past, that we, we are dealing with real issues of injustice and inequality. And I just, I've reminded us that that's not something, that's not something new. Um, I've reminded us that even as Christians, as we are to be working towards 
those things that are good and standing up for what is right and just, uh, this also will never go away. We, can all, we will always be able to talk about injustice and inequality and what needs to be done to make things better. We always are in seasons where even you and I as people of God even are dealing with matters of pain and sorrow and grief related to personal loss of family members or with family members in this season being sick and we can't even visit them. These are real things that we experience on a, on a regular basis. I was going to say something about our nation. I have no clue what to say about our nation, right? They're, just think about whatever. Yep. <laughs> Man, problem. And as Christians, we, we know God is loving. We know he is wise. We know he is sovereign, in control. We know, we know that, right? But sometimes that's not how we feel. Would you, would you agree with that? Like we know as Christians, God is lo he's loving, he is wise, he is in control. But as Christians, we don't always feel like that's true. And we don't always act like it's true. In Psalm 13, David asked the Lord, beginning in verse 1, he says this. He asked the question, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In verse 2, he says, how long must I take counsel in my mind and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, this is a psalm of David, and you likely know how psalms work. David, he actually knows his God is loving, and he's faithful, and he's wise, and he's sovereign. David knows that. And if you know the psalms, again, you know how this works. David knows this. He's just saying here, I'm not feeling it today. <laughs> like, I know this to be true, but I'm having a hard time getting my feelings to, to, to get in line with what I know intellectually to be true. And so David says... And I, I feel like I'm taking counsel with myself, right? I'm, my heart is sorrowful. How long will my enemies or our circumstances be overwhelming to us? It's why you and I know that we live by, by faith and not by what? Not by sight. Right? We live by trusting in the Lord and not by being able to understand everything because it's kind of confusing, quite honestly. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know this well. In fact, you were in there in Sunday school not too long ago. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, or actually just verse 5, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not on, right? And again, that's something like we know to be true. Again, as Christians, we can say, in Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, uh, but just like the Psalms, we can find ourselves knowing that to be true, but quite honestly, oftentimes leaning more on our own understanding than we are trusting in. Let's leave Psalm 13 for just a moment. Um, we'll come to that, back to that, Psalm 13 at the end, but for a moment, um, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Give you just a moment to turn there. And it's why we live by faith and not by sight. We understand that our 
we're going to have peace, if we're going to have joy um, and comfort in this life where there are so many problems, we know that does not come from just being able to understand things. It comes from our, our trust in the Lord, our trusting in him with all of our heart, our leaning on him, not our own understanding. And Paul, in this trajectory in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he helps us gain perspective in this, in this struggle of how we can live by faith and not by sight, trusting in the Lord. Verse 7 So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for this light momentary affliction, we'll read this again, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So notice in verse 7, Paul has a little phrase that we can describe our life with. See that? Unfortunately, it's the word affliction. So kind of our, our life and a lot of what we experience, and not, not just, uh, you know, there's some good things that we enjoy in life for sure, um, but maybe not all of you enjoy it when the fireworks fall over and start shooting at everyone, right? But that is our, sometimes that is our experience in life, right? We're, we're having a good time. We're thinking everything's going smooth. And then all of a sudden, things are out of control. This is not a part of the plan. And the Apostle Paul says this, he says, it is an affliction. It, that's what he says kind of our, our life is. But what kind of affliction? There's two words that he, use, he uses. It's interesting. He's got kind of three adjectives. He's using the word affliction as kind of a noun to describe what our life is. But then he's got two adjectives describing that. What type of affliction is it? It's, it's a light, momentary affliction. Um, so maybe some today would say, yeah, it is. So it's a lie. It's, it's, it's an affliction, but it's a lie. It's not too bad. Some of you would say, like, why did he use that word? Because it, it is not feeling like it's a light affliction right now. But again, we are, we're looking through the lens of Scripture, right? We're, we're walking by faith, not by sight. The Lord is calling us to trust in him. And we find in verse 7 that this, this life, which can be an affliction, Paul says it's a light affliction. And not just a light affliction, but... What else? Momentary, right? Temporary. Notice again what it's doing in verse seven, right? This we know God to be all wise, all powerful. He's sovereign. He's in control. There in verse eighteen. No, I'm sorry. Verse seventeen, the last part of the verse. Notice what is what he's what's going on here. Again, it's a light, momentary affliction, but what is it doing? It is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, you see the contrast in that one verse? It was a momentary affliction. What's the glory? What's the glory? It's eternal. Right? In, in contrast to the light affliction we're going through here, right? it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond comprehension. Again, we're looking with our eyes of faith, right? We're trusting in the Lord and something that we don't necessarily even feel today. Notice what he says in verse 18, again, helping us, Paul's helping us gain perspective of what it means to live by faith, by trusting in the Lord in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are what? Yeah, as we look not to the things that are seen, that's kind of hard, isn't it? Since um, we open our eyes and that, that is our, I mean, we function in with what we kind of see, 
And Paul says, no, if we're trusting in the Lord, right, we're, we're not looking to the things that are seen, but instead we're looking to the things that are unseen, the spiritual realm. The things that you don't see <laughs> are the things that you and I are called to look to and to trust in the Lord, obviously. Notice, it says, for the things that are seen are transient or temporary. Again, just a reminder, everything that you and I see, everything that we see is temporary. It's not to say that it's not going to exist. It will just exist in a different form. So when we talk about our loved ones who have faith in the Lord, we're not saying that there's a time where they will just never be again, but it will definitely be, there will definitely be a glorious tran transition. And so we look to the things that are, uh, for the things that are seen, excuse me, are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are what? Eternal. Again, this is, not, this is not natural for us. It's just the Lord reminding us, remember, the way that you and I operate by just what, by sight, the way that we walk by faith is completely different. And we are looking to those things that are unseen because that is eternal. What we can see before us is, is temporary. Now, here's what we know to be true. Paul says in chapter 5 now, beginning in verse 1, he says this, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, he's speaking about our physical body here, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building, that's our glorified body, we'll kind of see that as we read through this, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In verse 2, for in this tent, that's in this body, we, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. So pause right here just so we can connect kind of what Paul is saying Paul says, in this tent, in this body, we, we groan. Right? We long for the heavenly body. Now, why do we do that? For all the reasons that we discussed. In this body, right, we are subject to pandemic issues, issues of injustice and inequality, pain and grief and sorrow. Paul says, and we, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Notice in verse 4, for a while... We are still in this tent, in this body. We groan, being burdened. And listen to this, not that we would be unclothed. So Paul's saying, look, look, as Christians, this is not, we're not hoping just one day to be a disembodied spirit, and that's how we'll escape all suffering. One day we'll leave our body behind. We'll just be spirits in heaven. We won't have to worry about the weaknesses of this flesh or this body. Notice that's not what Paul's saying. Notice what he says in verse 4. For while we are still in this body, this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, that's not the desire, but that we would be further what? Further clothed, so that what is mortal, what is temporary, may be swallowed up by life, an eternal body. Notice in verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Now, we don't, I know today we've plopped down kind of in the middle of, um, in, of 2 Corinthians here, um, but you know God has prepared us for this. We know, we know the gospel, that God, because of, again, his love and his wisdom and his sovereignty became a human being. Know the gospel, experienced what you and I experience as human beings, except without sin. He did not sin. Out of love for us, he laid down his life on the cross of Calvary for you and I. He overcame sin and the grave through his resurrection ascended now to the right hand of the Father. He sent out his Holy Spirit to indwell us. Paul says, 
He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. You and I had nothing to do with that except to receive the free gift that he offers in Jesus Christ. And he says, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. And notice what he says, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. A reminder that the spirit within, within us today is the guarantee that one day we will be looking through new eyes. One day we will be looking through glorified eyes and having a new body that is not subject to the weaknesses that we experience today. Things that grieve us, the things that confuse us, the things that confound us. There will be a day where that is no more. Notice in verse 6, so Paul says, this, this is our hope today. We know that's coming then, but this is our hope today. Paul says this in verse 6, so we are always of what? Of good courage. That, that means even today, because again, we walk by what? By faith, not by sight. Verse 7, Paul says that. Actually, finish verse 6 there, sorry. So we are always of good courage. Why? We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from who? The Lord. And that, does that mean that the Lord is not with us? No. Last night I prayed, and when I prayed, and I don't always do this, but last night when I prayed, I closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes, do you know who I saw? I, I saw nobody. I don't know what you expected me to say there. <laughs> but I saw, I saw nobody. Um, I don't know about you, but when I talk, normally I talk to someone I can see or someone I can hear, like maybe on the phone. Okay? I don't normally talk to people that I can't see or hear. In fact, there's not a scenario that I can't think of that. I, there's not a scenario I can think of that would be like you're, you're probably crazy if you're talking to someone that you can't, can't see or, or hear, unless we're talking about Jesus, of course. I say all that to say what Paul's saying here is to be present in your body, your physical body, is to be away from the Lord. We know he's with us, but when we close our eyes to pray, I mean, most of the time when we pray, we don't see him. Or when I talk to someone in person, I, I can see, like, if I'm boring them to death, right? Or if I'm saying something they don't agree with, how do I see that? By their facial expressions, right? Or I can hear if I'm talking on the phone with someone, you know, our conversation is guided by that. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes when I pray, this is why I often use scripture to really kind of lead and guide my prayers. Sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm wandering around because... I don't see Jesus' facial expressions as I speak to him. And I don't, I don't hear him say, like, stop talking about that, Daniel. Go on to the next part of the prayer or something. You know, I'm just kinda, I just have to kind of trust. And again, it's why we use scripture to guide our understanding of the trajectory of our prayer and how the Lord would respond. And of course, he does respond with impressions of his spirit and things that he brings to our mind. But Paul is just saying... It's what, it, this, is, this is living by faith, not by sight. This is what it's like to be in the body and to be away from the Lord. And so he says in verse 7, it's taken us this long to get to what we've been saying already. He says, for we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Right, we, we, walk, we live our life by trusting in the Lord, not, not leaning on our own understanding. Now, go down to verse 10. We'll look at verse 10 right before we turn to another passage. 
This is why today we live by faith and not by sight. In verse 10, we find this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, right? That's in that earthly tent, whether good or evil. Again, it's, it's a reminder of how, how there's a connection between our earthly body and our heavenly body and living this life Affliction, what we do now, how we think, what we say, how we respond, it all matters. It matters what we do with Jesus. It, ma- it matters what we do with Jesus. It matters what we think. It, our motives matter. All of that matters because one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll give an account for what we did with the life that he gave us here on earth, this temporary life. And one of our questions that we have to address this morning for all of us is, are we, are we ready? Now, first of all, do you, do you know Jesus? Have you received Jesus in faith? Turn from your sin to Jesus Christ to receive what he accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. He desires to forgive you, he desires a relationship with you. But even as Christians who know him, you and I are called to regularly be looking at our life and making adjustments where we see that we are not living life consistently in our faith. Now, again, we know God is he's loving. We know he is he's wise. We know he is sovereign in control. It's why we live by faith and not by sight. It's why we're trusting him, leaning not on our own understanding. This morning, our major goal is simply to fix our eyes again on Jesus at him with our spiritual eyes. I'm going to ask you to turn to two other places. One right now, just Revelation chapter 4. I'll mention the next one here in just a moment, but Revelation chapter 4. As you're turning there, I'm going to read a passage that you're very familiar with, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You're familiar with this verse? All right, so Paul, Paul in one, uh, in 2 Corinthians, he calls kind of this experience of our life an affliction, a light momentary affliction. The author of Hebrews, understanding that in this light momentary affliction, we are living by faith, right? He compares that to a, a race that's set before us. And we are to run that race with endurance. How are we to do that? For you who know this verse, do you guys remember? Verse 12, to run the race with endurance, fixing our eyes our eyes on Jesus Christ, right? looking to Jesus Christ. He says, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the what? The cross. Again, just with your spiritual eyes, can I remind you, God loves you so much. Uh, Jesus loves you so much, laying down his life for you on the cross of Calvary. Not only that, founder, perfect of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, but now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the right hand of the Father, all authority in heaven and on earth, the authority, power to forgive, to welcome us in sovereign over all the circumstances that you and I are experiencing today. Right, we, we know God's love, we know his wisdom, we know his power is far above all that we can understand. And sometimes it just doesn't align up with what we feel. 
And I just want to do the best I can today to connect us to the reality of the one who's on the throne. In Revelation chapter 4, let's fix our eyes on Jesus beginning in verse 1. John says this, after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. So there's a door, it's in heaven, it's open. You and I are about to look through it, not with our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes. Notice in verse 2, Paul, uh, John says this, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, what do we see? A throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. Now again, living by faith, not by sight, can I just remind you and myself today that there is one seated on the you just take just a moment to, to seriously rest in that for a moment with whatever you're dealing with, whether it's, whether it's grief or sorrow or pain or confusion or anger. And I just remind you today that it is a reality, a spiritual, physical, well, reality that Jesus Christ is on the throne today. Verse 3, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Now, if you've been listening to some of those podcasts, might have an idea of why those things were mentioned here. Go to verse 8, and what we're seeing here is, again, just the glory of heaven is eclipsing our experience here on earth. In verse 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. If you think that's weird, you should go back and see some of the things that we skipped <laughs> in the, to get here. A reminder that uh, I mean, your, your Bible, I've mentioned this so many times, but your Bible is so important. I mean, the Old Testament is so important. It's so important that we know those things because if we, when we get to Revelation, we're just going to be making up stuff if we don't know <laughs> what John is doing in connecting Old Testament themes and images and, and passages here. But I just want us right now to take our spiritual eyes and fix them on Jesus. Notice what we see. Again, in verse 8, four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, that means today, day and night, they never cease to say, that's, they say this all the time, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy is the idea, he's, he's separate. Right? Again, his, his love doesn't even compare to our love. Far beyond. Right? His, his wisdom and his power, it is, it is other. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. He was, who, who was part of the Red Sea, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Resurrected from the grave, ascending to the right hand of the Father. Was, is, still seated there. All authority and power. Sustaining all of creation, the Bible tells us. Giving you and I, and scripture tells us this, giving you and I our very breath. And who is to come. We read he's, he's coming to judge, Right? We know he's coming to restore and redeem his creation. We know he's coming to rule as king. By faith, Revelations 4 is calling us to see with our eyes of faith 
look through this open door and to recognize that God, he is, he is on the throne, that he is worthy of worship, that he is, he is sovereign, he is in control. But it doesn't take but a second to bring our eyes back down here and to be overwhelmed with what we see before us and to forget he is worthy, to forget he is in control, to forget that he is all wise and to forget that he is loving and to just be overwhelmed by the emotions that feel otherwise. This morning, I just want to remind you of something. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, Scripture says that um, we are to be holy as he is holy. You, you're familiar with that passage. Sometimes there's unfortunate things that happen when, um, when Scripture is translated. One of those unfortunate things um, is the translation saints. So you, many of you know that in the New Testament and the epistles that the Apostle Paul addresses the people of God, oftentimes beginning those epistles as saints, to the saints that are in Philippi, to the saints that are in such and such. Um, and I say that's an unfortunate translation for this reason. If you've been following the podcast, you, you've seen that um, God has a heavenly family. He's got an earthly family. His heavenly family, the, um, the angels, we would say, they are also called holy ones, right? So his family in heaven, right, they're called holy ones. Do you know what his family on earth is called? Holy ones. The word saints, I need to look into this. I don't even know where that comes from. The Greek word is hagios, which means holy ones. And so saints probably had something to do with, oh, you can look that up, you can Google that. But the Greek literally is holy ones. And I, I know we're supposed, to, we're supposed to catch that in scripture, that God has a heavenly family that he calls holy ones. And then he's got an earthly family that's also connected. Now we're citizens of heaven. And then his earthly family, you and I are, are holy ones. We belong to the holy, holy, holy one. And you and I today, I just want to remind us, man, we are kingdom citizens. And we are appointed to shine as lights in the darkness. And so the question is how on a regular day when we are, we're so driven by what we see and what we feel, how can we see and how can we shine? So how can we, and just on our daily grind, how can we see what God wants us to see, right? How can we trust in him? And how can we shine? How can we show the goodness and the glory of God to others? So three things very quickly. All of that was introduction. No, no I'm just kidding. This is the conclusion. This is the conclusion. It's about over. But just four ways that you and I with our faith in Jesus, living this life of faith, and it's not by what we understand. How can we see what God wants us to see and how can we shine in this confusing time? Number one, magnify Jesus. And so I'm gonna ask you to turn back to the Psalms, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And uh, number so number one, it's magnify Jesus. And you know what, um, you know what a magnifying glass does. Um, Jacob, not too long ago, that was his favorite little toy, which wasn't a toy. I'm sure we got it out of the regular, wherever you get magnifying glasses at at Walmart. But forever he had that thing, and you know what a magnifying glass does. I don't need to explain this, but whatever you focus it on, it makes it bigger, right? When I was in middle school, I could set things on fire with a magnifying glass. 
That's another subject. That's just random. Sorry. But it makes things bigger. That's what it's normally. You can also set things on fire. But mainly, it makes what you're focusing on bigger. And so it's up to us. You and I, we can magnify whatever we want to magnify in life. We can magnify our opinions about pandemic, about issues of injustice. We can, you know, we can magnify our own pain and sorrow. And I, I don't mean that it's not real. You understand that. But we can magnify our own problems and our own pain and our own, and our own grief. Notice what we see in Psalm 34. We also see that we can, we can choose instead to magnify the Lord. So in verse 1, we read this, I will bless the Lord at all times. Notice, not at all times I will post my opinions on Facebook, right? But at all times I will do what? Bless the Lord. Can I remind us again, like when we read through these things, this is the, this is the reality in which we live. We can, by the power of the Lord, we can choose to bless him at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth, not use my mouth to talk about others all the time, but no, my, my mouth can be used to give him the praise that he deserves. Verse two, my soul makes, it, makes its boast in the Lord. Again, I won't even fill in the blank there. I'll just leave it blank. But think about even what you and I as Christians, think about what oftentimes is the boast of our conversation. Even if we might disagree with people in regards to ideology or history or whatever, but think about what our boast is oftentimes. Verse two says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And a, a reminder again that we Right? We are, we're celebrating as Christians not our, independ our independence, but we are actually celebrating our union now with Christ and our union with each other. And you and I together, not, we can as individuals, but together you and I, just as we have done today, we can join together to magnify Jesus. It doesn't mean those other problems aren't real and they don't exist. It doesn't mean that we are not hurt by certain things or working through certain things, but it means that you and I can come together to exalt the Holy One and to make Him the overwhelming focus of our lives. So number one, concerning how do we see and how do we shine, number one, magnify Jesus. Number two, share hope. Number two, share hope. And I'll just read a verse here because um, Chaplain Paul um, preached a whole message on this last Sunday. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this. I think he read this last Sunday as well. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Number two, share hope. And again, just a reminder, this is why our witness is so important. People have to look at you and me and see that in this context, in this world, even dealing with personal problems, that there is, there's a difference. And we have hope to share that is uniquely in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Number three, watch yourself. Number three, watch yourself. 
I'll read this passage to you as well. It's one that you already know, but Matthew 7, verse 3 says this. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when there is a log in your own eye? So just so you know, this is not pointed at anyone specifically here this morning. Always when I read a, a verse like this, I think probably there are people sitting here thinking that I'm pointing them specifically, pointing this specifically at them. So yes, this is not specifically for you, though it might apply in the future or in it applies to all of us. In fact, if you're, you know, especially in this time that we're in, it's just a reminder. You know how it works. You know the old saying, like when you, when you point one finger at someone else, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. Um, you know how this works. It is, it is something that I believe you and I as Christians are to keep kind of in our mind at all times. Probably the best way to illustrate this would be like in a marriage relationship, right? You, you see everybody's got something in their eye. And this, this is the problem. You and I, we, we notice that, but what do we not notice initially? Say again? Yeah, our, the issues that, so we, we notice something. Look at, look at this passage, or, or you're not looking at it, but listen to the passage, or think about the passage that you already know. What does Jesus want us to understand when he says, when we, we're quick to notice, so quick to notice the speck that's in someone else's eye. But what does he say is in our, in our own eye? A plank or a log in our own eye. So by contrast, Jesus wants you and I to first consider ourselves the bigger sinner. Right? When, when we see that someone else has got it wrong, when we see that they're off, just so you know, you haven't recognized anything. <laughs> that's everybody literally on the stinking planet. <laughs> right? Jesus as his people, his kingdom citizens, he wants us to be first suspecting of ourselves. So if we notice someone else has got something that's, that's not right, first thing that we should do is to really check ourselves to see if there's something more significant within our, home, within our own heart that we should deal with. And if you're like me, you've noticed that oftentimes if there's something else that drives me crazy about someone else, it's likely that some of that is coming from just, just my own sin and something that I haven't dealt with. But then also something else that's important in this passage. Note, uh, verse 5 says this. Jesus isn't finished with that little illustration yet. He goes on to say, he says, you, you hypocrite, when you're trying to take the speck out, when there's a log out. He says, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus' instruction there is, hey, don't mess with people because everyone's a mess. His instruction is, if you do notice a speck, well, first of all, deal with the log that's in your own eye, and then you'll be able to help remove the speck that's in the eye of your brother or your sister. But I would suggest to you that the way that you remove a log is different than the way that you remove a speck, especially when it's in, when it's in someone else's eye, right? The way that you remove a log is there's, you just yank it out of there, I think is the only way that you do that. This follows the line of Jesus' teaching when he says, like, if your hand causes you to sin, what do you do? He doesn't say, like, hey, if you notice someone sinning with their hand, go cut it off, right? He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. When it comes to sin personally, Jesus wants us to deal drastically with our sin. So if you, if you find there's a log in your eye, it's not, it's, it's painful. But yank it out. 
But that is quite different than the way that you deal with a speck that's in your brother's eye. Right? A, a speck that's in your brother's eye has to be dealt with with surgical precision. You have to be very careful. In fact, I can speak to you guys who are, who are married today. Right? If you're dealing with your, with your spouse, right? How careful do you have to be to remove that speck that's in their eye? Does anyone want to hear testimony today? <laughs> you got to be so careful. And in fact, probably, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to share anything with my wife. <laughs> Just hearing my wife could share so much more bad things about me than I could share with her. But um, as husbands, you can at least identify with this. Like, you say something and then you realize, well, that wasn't the right time for me to say that. <laughs> right? Amen? Do I have any? <laughs> right. When you're dealing with a sp- with someone else's speck in their eye, it has to be dealt with with surgical precision. And you'll notice, like, I'm not making this up. And we're not, the log and the speck is not, it's not, it's not saying that one sin is big and the other sin is not. It means this. First of all, you, as the individual, must consider your sin greater than the sin that you're dealing with. But I think of, um, here's a good illustration for this. So, David's sin of murder and adultery, really bad, right? Nathan the prophet went to him, and he dealt with that sin with surgical precision. Do you remember that? He went, he went to David, and he didn't, he didn't say, hey, sinner, or you loser. He went to David, and he said, hey, here's a little parable. And then very, very cunningly, very wise, with surgical precision, he knew how to get to the heart of David so that David would recognize his sin and his relationship with the Lord would be right? So all, all that is to say in this time where there's, this is needed for you and I to realize that and there's specks in everyone's eyes, but we have logs that have to be constantly yanked out of there so that we can see clearly how with surgical precision by God's grace and his help, we can help our brothers and sisters remove the specks from their eyes as well. Our last one, number four, and this is all in how to, how to see and how to shine in this world that we live in. Number four, celebrate salvation. Leighton, I'll go ahead and call you up here at this point. Number four, celebrate salvation. Another way that we could say that is celebrate deliverance. And this is not just to speak towards that salvation that one day will be final, but it's to celebrate the salvation, the, the deliverance that we experience in Christ on a daily basis. If you'll turn back with me to Psalm 13, this is the passage that we'll end on today. Psalm 13, it began with David saying this, How how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And then... Notice David, please, because we've mentioned David, he knows the Lord. He knows the Lord is loving, he is faithful, he is is wise, he is sovereign. And so David prays to him, that's why he's directing his prayer to him, consider and answer me in verse 3. O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Notice David is saying there, Lord, help me see right? Help, help me shine. Verse 
5, David expresses his trust in the Lord when he says this in verse 5, but I have trusted in your what? Steadfast love or your faithfulness, your loving kindness. Can I, can I encourage you today, and then don't just wait until you get home, but today even at this moment, can, can you do that? Can you, can you make your plea before the Lord but simultaneously expressing your trust in God's faithfulness and his loving kindness, steadfast love. David says this, my heart shall, what? Rejoice in your salvation, your deliverance. Again, that for the biblical authors is not just that they then, but that is presently, knowing that our Redeemer lives and through any and all circumstances, he is, he is working for our redemption, for our good, even if it's beyond our understanding. It says in verse six, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And today in, in this weekend, man, we, we, just, we think of the reasons that we have to celebrate. As Christians, it's not our independence. It is our union with Christ. It's our union with each other. And it's the reason that you and I can celebrate. It's because we are free from our sin free from death. We know that what we have in Christ, this freedom that we enjoy is, it's not earthly. It is heavenly. It's not temporary. It is eternal. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand for these last few moments and we're going to do something we haven't done in a little, a little while. We're going we're gonna to end with a song of praise. And I want to encourage you to take this time to Magnify Jesus Christ. I know there's a lot of real issues that are going on right now. I know that within our church family, there are those who are really, really hurting, really confused. I want to give you the opportunity to do what Scripture has, has directed us to do today in directing our spiritual eyes on Jesus, magnifying Him, giving Him the praise that He deserves, acknowledging today that He is. He is on the throne that he is loving, that he is wise, that he is sovereign, and, our, and all of our hope and our trust is in him. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to end with this song. Um, when the song is finished, you guys will be dismissed. Father, we approach you today acknowledging that there are real problems that we face. And we've, we've talked at length about those in previous weeks. And we, we feel those personally today. Lord, we face this dilemma often, the fact that we, we know you to be loving, we know you to be wise and powerful and sovereign, yet sometimes that is not what we feel. And that is not how we act. We pray today that you would help us to be those who, as your holy ones, are living by faith and not by sight, that we are trusting in you truly, acknowledging that you are on the throne and you are worthy. Help us today, help us this week, help us in this season, magnify you. Help us share the hope that we have with others through our testimony, but also with our words. Help us watch over ourselves above others. Lord, help us to celebrate this constant salvation that we enjoy, Jesus, in you alone. 
And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky. Well, from rivers to the mountain tops, we hear Christ be magnified. Sing it, oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Sing it, oh, Christ be magnified. From the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody, and every human heart its native cry, oh, then in one and round should heaven's praise, we'll sing Christ be magnified. Singing, oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be for my feelings. I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise rise. 
Christ be magnified in me. Singing, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Singing, oh, Christ be magnified. Oh, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. I'm singing, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me.